Avengers, assemble. In the wake of Endgame, some were lost, others regained. They're good. What happens next? Stay tuned, true believers, as we try to find out. Peter Melnick. Graphic designer, comic book enthusiast, and podcast pontificator. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Upstate New York radio announcer in the Sullivan Catskills with an inordinate amount of catching up in his own comic book universe. Ready? It's time for a new episode of The Marvelists. Doesn't it ever wake you up in the middle of the night? The feeling that someday they'll come for you and your children. I feel a great swirl of pity for the poor soul that comes to my school looking for trouble. Some believe that the first mutant was born thousands of years ago. He was some kind of god. And he's going to rise again. You are all my children, and you're lost because you follow blind leaders. No more false gods. Now. He always had four followers. Like the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Together we will cleanse the earth for the strongest. We'll take everything from them. He means to destroy this world. Billions of people killed. needs the X-Men. You're gonna join them, aren't you? You wanted me to get out of the house more, right? It's all of us. Against a god. Let's go to war. Forget everything you think you know. You're not students anymore. You're X-Men. Everything they built will fall! Welcome, everyone, to The Marvelists, the Marvel Universe podcast. I'm Peter Melnick. And I'm Eddie Wilson. And before we get into the usual rigmarole and all that good stuff of introducing our special guest co-host today, we are continuing our exceptional, ecstatic, excelsior true believers month of X month. We want to tell you all at home how you can get a hold of us on social media. How? First off, on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Find us on the handle at The Marvelists. You can also find myself on Facebook at Facebook.com slash Peter Melnick Podcaster. You can also follow me on Twitter at Peter Melnick and Sam on Instagram at Peter Melnick. Eddie, you are on the social media machine as well. Instagram at Eddie9193. And you I always see you as the guy who likes our posts on the Marvelous. It makes me it makes me feel really good. I see I do Eddie Numbers. And then I'm like, awesome. Your new name is Eddie Numbers, by the way. Eddie Numbers awesome. Yeah. ENA. I, I like that. Oh, and by the way, just a, just a quick mini digression. I love in our intro, by the way, I'll listen to it from time to time. Oh, that's that, nice. That eh, Well, I sometimes will go like 30 seconds forward into it to listen into the show. Mm. But what I love is your usage of that clip from Eddie and the Cruisers. I'm Eddie Wilson. Like, 
what is it like knowing you're named after that? Like, not you're named after that character, but you were born with that name, Eddie Wilson, and then you see the character, Eddie Wilson, you're like, cool, I have a cool character named after me. Yeah. I've got a dorky song composer who doesn't like me because I always take the at Peter Melnick handle on social media. Oops. Oh, well. Anyway, also, how can you listen to us in a wide variety of streaming platforms, Eddie? Yes. Well, you can find us on iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, Podbean, and a bunch of other things. Tune in radio, I think. I don't know if I said it, but if I did, whatever. Tune in again, radio. Tune in one more time, exactly. Mm-hmm. But people, go on wolverinepodcast.com and use the promo code at checkout. Marvelists. And get one free month of Stitcher Premium, and it helps support this show and all that good stuff. But you're able to listen to Wolverine the Long Night and the brand new sequel follow-up podcast to it. The Lost Trail. And it's written by comic book writers. It's done with a wonderful voice cast, and it's Marvel's foray into serialized podcasting, telling sto- telling stories. There we go. I, I swallowed my tongue for a little bit there. Yuck. But, well, I mean, sorry, I don't know. I don't know how that works. But anyway, like I said, WolverinePodcast.com and use the promo code at checkout. Marvelists. And get one free month of Stitcher Premium. And after that one free month is over, it's only 499 pennies or... Five dollars minus one cent? Exactly. Okay. <laughs> That was so oddly specific. Yeah, but anyway, yeah. it helps support the show. And it tells John Q. Stitcher at at his, you know, business, I like this marvelous show. They're mm-hmm. really good. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know where I'm going with this improv. I suck at improv. But what I also want to say is, Eddie, we have two interviews at the end of this episode with... Two humans. Correct. Well, well they're technically in the movie, at least, mutants. Yes, they are. Afro Williams Afro and... Williams. And... Andrew Stalin. Very cool. So you get to to listen to them talk about their time working on next week's movie, Dark Phoenix. We want to get that interview out for y'all at home to enjoy and listen to for your listening pleasure with your ears. Audio receptors. Those two. They are two. Yeah. But on top of the fact that we have those two interviews at the end of this episode, we are joined for X-Men Apocalypse with our special guest, Action Ortiz, Ben Ortiz. How you doing? Hello. I'm doing superb today. Thanks for joining us, Ben. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. And also, you are in our episode. It's going to be airing after this one with Eric and Julia Lee Wald of X-Men, the animated series. So you got some questions you got to ask in there, and including one where you asked about the animated series theme song. And that's why I don't know if you noticed me in the background going, yes, somebody mentioned it. I was really happy about that. It's one of the greatest ones. It should be in the karaoke's. It should be played at weddings. It's amazing. I'm just turning into Caddyshack, kind of. Just kind of, yes, sort of, but I understand in the X-Men animated series framework, so I'm okay with that now. But yes, Caddyshack, yeah, you can go into that shirt with that. Now, before we get into the topic of X-Men Apocalypse, we want to talk about some things that have been happening this week in Marvel News. And the biggest one is... Avengers Endgame, well, you know the scene in Infinity War with Rocket Raccoon and Thor? I'm going to destroy him. You already tried doing that. Well, he hasn't faced me twice. I probably botched that scene completely, but... Okay. I did, but whatever. Um, whatever. The movie is coming back in theaters. Lord Feige himself has announced that the movie is going to be coming out next weekend, apparently, and it's going to feature bonus scenes, including something at the end, bonus... uh, post credit scene and more content. So 
we're going to go see Tony Stark die. Sorry for the spoilers for a movie that's been out for a couple months now. Yeah. But for this movie that we get to be sad about again, you excited to be sad, Eddie? Um, yeah, sure. What, yeah. <laughs> and I don't even know if they're going to tell us how much extra minutes they of have footage, not. if they will. I mean, it's a weekend away as of this recording, but still. I haven't even seen anything on any of the ticket sales sites yet. Like nothing on AMC, nothing on Fandango. There's no screenings listed for next week. So I'm imagining they're waiting for the big announce, like, you know, big whatever for it. Just going to drop down a big old Avengers Endgame theater only. (sighs) Evidently. But I mean, let's be honest. It's a little bit of pettiness from Marvel and I love them for this because this means that they will be able to defeat a certain movie about blue people. And I'm not talking about either Smurf movie that came out. I'm talking about Avatar. Mm -hmm. And Ben, have you seen Avatar? Not at all. Well, you're lucky. I'm not going to lie. But I mean, from what I saw, what are they shooting? All like three of them at one time? Because I think I saw on one, on one like lockout, they're only going to, I think they're going to have like for the next three years, every Christmas. It's like two, three, four. If, if if they don't beat you know every record, they're going for five. So I just uh, I don't want to see another Avatar. I didn't even like the first movie. It was did, Eddie. Did you no. see Avatar? <laughs> really? No, you're alone here. <laughs> I I saw it actually. Maybe it was an ominous sign, but when I went to go see Avatar the first time, the uh, popcorn machine in the uh, like a few feet away from our theater got set on fire and the alarms went off and I'm sitting there in the theater watching it and you see the scene where the guy's, I guess, in a tube and all of a sudden just a light starts flashing in this theater and I have the 3D glasses on and I'm like, wow, they're really going all out with this 3D thing, really making it immersive. And then the screen goes black and they go, sorry, people, the uh, theater is closed due to a fire. I'm like, "Mm, please exit. uh, Cool. And I didn't get to see the movie until like maybe a few years later on my laptop and... Obviously, you know, you're not going to get the whole theater immersion of the whole 3D, real D, 3D, but... Or the flashy light, yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, I could have just, you know, started having like a strobe light in the back. No, no. But the idea of the movie, it just, it did not appeal to me. And I understand, I guess, the part of the allure of Avatar is the 3D. You know, it's the whole, you know, Jake Scott, Sully, thing in your face. You know, like it's that. It's like it's like Friday mm-hmm. the 13th Part 3 with the 3D where they literally just shove a broom in your face. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. But... That I, I saw... That was a good one. Friday the 13th, part three. See, I'm a, I'm a Friday the 13th fan, so... I, well, somewhere I, after four, maybe five is where I kind of fell oh, off. The you way. have to watch Jason X. Jason X yeah. is the dumbest movie I've ever seen in my life, and it's amazing for I, it. I don't know. They have Leprechaun 2, Back to the Hood, so I mean... That's true. <laughs> yeah, different direction for me. Okay. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so with Endgame coming back in theaters, I like to call it Avatar... Or, I like to call it Avengers 4, the quest to tell James Cameron to go F himself. Because oh, that really is just that. It's, and ironically, they own Fox. So they're kind of just going against themselves. Like, they technically have the top highest movies of all time. Like, I think they're so, top five alone. The clean version is uh, Avengers Endgame because we can. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And it, it's funny because you see that the movie did gangbusters. Like, it did absolutely amazing where I want to say two weeks ago I was looking on AMC of you know showings and how it was doing maybe like an hour and a half before showtime almost an entire full theater I'm like yeah doesn't surprise me anymore yeah because everyone loves that movie and there are the people that are just like I want to go see it to beat see it beat Avatar Mm -hmm. so eh, maybe but 
on top of that, right now, there is there was the announcement, the big announcement over at Marvel Comics in their comics division, obviously, but it was that Spider-Man is going to be getting a new comic book, and it's going to be written by J.J. Abrams and his son. Mm-hmm. And some people are happy about this, while others are very upset because, you know, a lot of people don't like J.J. because of his interpretation of Star Wars and Star Trek, but... Huh. Star, his Star Wars is like the highest grossing Star Wars, isn't it, Eddie? Uh, I guess you would know more so than I. I believe it is. Maybe so, just the idea of switching mediums from film to comic books is... It's kind of like Joss kind of, Whedon. Joss Whedon did it with Astonishing X-Men. He okay. went you know, from doing Buffy and then jumped over to that. Mm. But the idea of seeing this series happen is cool. But a lot of people, myself included, are kind of bummed out about it. Because the announcement originally was you see a shot of a number four done in spider webs. And that's when the internet lost their collective shit (laughs) (laughs) because so many people had pizza time in their eyes and it did not happen because everyone was under the assumption. Oh my God, they're doing a comic book adaptation of the unproduced Spider-Man (laughs) four. And no one said anything for a day. And then the next day, CB Sobolski at Marvel ended up writing a tweet saying, yeah, it's not a Spider-Man Fantastic Four team-up or the uh, unproduced Raimi script. And everyone's just like, oh. Uh. And then you saw the number three show up for the next day, and it was a countdown. But my favorite tweets were, oh my God, we're going to have the unreleased Amazing Spider-Man 3 as a comic now. <laughs> no, that was not the case. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm okay with this. Why not? But when I saw the announcement, I'm just like, oh, that's it? I mean, yeah, Sobolski, you're right. I didn't see that happening, but... Eh? Yeah. But will I be picking this up in September? Probably. Not going to lie, probably. Because like, it's going to be introducing a new villain, I believe. And I like uh, the artist Sarah behind it, Sarah. I believe uh, Pacelli, Pacetti or something. I don't know how to pronounce her last name. I'm terrible. Uh, Tweet at me, at Peter Melnick, that I'm an ass. I'm a terrible pronouncer. Mm-hmm. Exactly. But seeing that happen, I'm kind of... Eh, whatever. But would I have loved to have seen Spider-Man 3 as a comic? Or Spider-Man 4, sorry. Yes. Mm-hmm. Sure. No doubt. Yeah, I wouldn't have. Really? I mean, you know, what villain's going to tap dance down the street? Well, I mean, you know, when you end up having that scene, you end up having, you know, you can have your own soundtrack for that, too. So you can have him walking out to Pantera's walk for no reason, just tap dancing. Pantera. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Venom looks so bad. See, my thing with that movie, like, as I've, you know, re revisited it over the years he would have made a great Peter Parker uh, Topher Grace mm-hmm. terrible villain but that, that's a podcast for another day that you can actually just listen to probably from last year the archives now also on top of that the internet is a buzz a flame all those other words with the confirmation two things from Kevin Feige's press tour for Spider-Man Far From Home he ended up mentioning that one a Venom movie could cross over with the uh, MCU, so we could possibly be seeing Tom Hardy's Venom, you know, Venom, Venom, that Venom. And then as well, he said it's up to Sony. He confirmed also that they are in talks with Keanu Reeves. Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of people are like, who do you want to see Keanu Reeves play in the MCU? And I'm in the uh, Moon Knight camp, of course, but... If we have to see Keanu play somebody, I'd like to see him also play something just completely different. And I end up seeing my friend Diana post on Twitter this suggestion, and I'm just like, 
huh, he could rock that mustache, seeing him play the role of Corsair of the Starjammers. And if we got a Starjammers movie or see the Starjammers interact with the Guardians of the Galaxy, that would be amazing. I want to see that. Yeah, I think that could work. And whoever I think the Keanu Reeves character becomes, it would be a new character to the yes. cinema. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think he would make a great Black Widow. <sighs> what, what, what about Adam? I've seen fan art made of Keanu as him, and that is also one where I'm just like, oh, the possibilities are endless. I want this one. I want this one. I want them all. It's, it's like that meme, why, uh, why not both? But unfortunately, it can't be both. Mm, true. But, Eddie, who would you want to see? I, you know what? I hadn't really rolled it around in my head much, but I did kind of go with you with the Moon Knight thought. Because I guess I'm partly loony for Mooney also. Yes, I got him converted. No, you know, one of the incarnations of his many personas, sure. Shout out to uh, Into the Night as well as Moon Knight Core on Facebook. Mm hmm. Thank you, guys. Ben what, about, ben, what about you? I mean, I'd, I'd watch Keanu as a stop sign. So. <laughs> Because um, he's having one of the best 2019s. Yeah, he's got like the career uh, like resurgence. Holy yeah, crap! Yeah, because he's got the Netflix cameo that if nobody's you know if anyone's watched it, it's hilarious. He pretty much just plays an evil version of himself. It's so good. So for like, who's he gonna play? I mean, at this point, you know, if they start introducing like the other dimensions and whatnot, I'd like to see him as you know Tony Stark, like just a. A different Earth, huh. you know, version. Well, on that note, Ben, you just reminded me too. I think there's there's rumbles about Iron Man 2020, and that becoming. Um, I know Iron Man 2020 is coming back in the comics soon because I remember seeing like an announcement that says 2020 is near, and it was the logo for Iron Man 2020. Okay, well, it's a start. It's a jumping point, you know. Yeah, that's a badass looking uh, Iron Man suit of armor, and so would be happy. Uh, um, yeah, blank out on the name, please. Thank Bob Wyatchek. One of his workings that he, he would like to see that further develop, sure. And then rewinding back over, like I said, Kevin Feige was saying that it's up to Sony in regards to bringing Venom into the uh, MCU. Does that mean technically then that Venom is an MCU movie? Why not? It could, yeah, sure. It's also the first MCU movie to drop an F-bomb, if you, if yeah. you remember that one scene. And mm -hmm. I think, that, I don't know, I, they would have to maybe then reboot everything with Venom as Tom Hardy. No, Tom Hardy's I mean, Venom. they don't have to because I guess that was the reason why it was PG-13 as much as I wanted an R-rated Venom, and especially from the first couple of trailers, that's what it looked like it was going to be. But, uh, I mean, it's already, he's already PG-13, so yeah. he could slide in. I don't know how he's going to slide in. Well, I somebody suggested it, and it was a child of all people. Like, I remember I was at a comic shop, and I brought it up, and this little kid goes, well, actually, you could do it like this. The reason you don't see the spider on Venom in uh, the Tom Hardy one is because he hasn't met Spider-Man yet. So he, you know, will see that and then by osmosis looks at it and goes, I will adopt that. And then, you know, gets that on his chest and becomes that. So he gets those powers and reflects that. So Spider-Man's a fashion icon? Pretty much. He's a fashionista. Mm -hmm. I mean, I mean, look at how many Spider-Man hoodies there are. Eddie's got one. I got one. Mm. I imagine you have one, in your, at least two in your closet, correct? I mean, I have a pen. It's like a, Good enough. a Spider-Verse pen. <laughs> so. And on the topic of Spider-Verse, by the way, great segue. And I'm not talking about the little thing that Paul Blart drives, but that's, a, that's, that's a reference I did not expect to make yeah. today. Well, mall cop, so there you go. Uh. Anyway, but Spider-Verse, Tom Holland wants to see a live-action Spider-Verse go on, and it would incorporate, of course, the uh, Tobster, Tugboat, Toby Maguire, and Andrew Garfield. And... 
Eddie, I don't know if you saw the comment made on our Facebook page with that, facebook.com slash The Marvelists. There is a comment that somebody made of, and they could even bring in like maybe cameos from the guy who played it in the 70s. I think that would be cool. Like just make, do like a whole love Nicholas Hammond? Character. Yeah. Who will be making a con appearance. Really? Where? Uh, actually, I think it's later this year in November at the Super Mega Fest in Framingham, Massachusetts. Uh, crap, I was considering can- uh, canceling on going to that, but now I probably will actually have to go so I can have him totally sign my totally not a bootleg copy of Spider-Man 77. I may have just the same thing, I'm not sure. Totally not a bootleg DVD? Totally not. Well, absolutely. Why would it be? I mean, No, nothing no. else was put out on... Oh, no, wait a minute. I have, if you got, I don't know, we may be too young for this, or I may have heard of the magazine called Pizzazz. Oh, I know Pizzazz. I have several issues of that, and one has that Spider-Man on the front cover. And it's totally legal. Yes. There we go. There's my autograph. $40, please. I don't know. Whatever. Think about also this. On top of that, you know, bringing his version of the character, you can bring the ultra-creepy Electric Company one in. Um, Yeah. What? um, Where he just speaks in word bubbles. Yeah. So that's creepy? Kind of is. Yeah. I mean, live-action Spider-Pig. I mean, you got me sold it. Oh. I oh my god! I would be so down for that. Yes, you would. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually surprised, by the way, in Spider Verse. Like I, I get why it couldn't happen because of the Sony and Fox and all, everything. But could you imagine them have bringing in Spider Pig from uh, the Simpsons movie? Mm. That would have been delightful. And more crossing over with companies and so on. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, it would have cost a lot of money to do it just to bring in a pig. But who'd have thought? Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's one expensive pig. Some pig. I did not expect to make a Charlotte's Web reference today, but here we are. Here we are indeed. So, yeah. That was a show, guys. See you later. No. I'm sure it was, and so was X-Men Apocalypse, which, I'll tell you right now, Peter said... I liked it. <laughs> ...better than he thought in a, in a rewatch. And... Mm-hmm. See, Ben, you are the complete opposite, so it's going to be like... Uh, it's like alternate universe version, so, you know, you don't like the movie... I like the movie, surprisingly, and I actually take back my one comment where I had said, I believe on a previous episode, it was like a Dragon Ball Z fight in the sense that the fight just kept going and going and never ended. I was fine with the movie, and... It's Apocalypse. It's got to end. And I, I get that. It's, it's a good joke. It's good. Uh, funny. But, but the thing about it that I really dug was that when you have that, you know, the uh, incorporation of the movie, I didn't forget that... Apocalypse was the villain, unlike the previous viewing. I guess because, like, maybe I just wasn't feeling the movie at the time. But is it the greatest comic book movie ever made? Far from it. It's it's far from home, even. Ooh, he couldn't resist. Uh, I knew it. This, I was uh, just going to... This guy over here. Uh, keep going. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I enjoyed what I saw, and... I am kind of happy I rewatched it. Like, you know, open my eyes to this. But Ben, you saw the movie. What did you think? Well, it's the, it's the last X Men movie of the series. Of that series? Mm-hmm. No, just the series. Oh, we're talking. We're, ta- we're talking about Apocalypse, not Dark Phoenix. That doesn't have X Men in the beginning. That is true. That is very true. <laughs> That's the last X Men. That's how they're going to end it. But um, you know, they, they, there's a lot of stuff in it that just makes no sense because at no time does Apocalypse need any of his four horsemen. I will say, I thought the incorporation of the Four Horsemen was great just for the one moment in the movie where you just see Angel completely shit-faced and just, you know, drinking beers in his little cave or whatever, his Batman cave, and 
you hear Metallica's The Four Horsemen play, and I'm sorry. For me, that was one of the coolest moments of the whole movie. I'm like, yeah, that is Metallica. That's, that's off of their album, Kill Em All. That's a good album. Well, what, you didn't enjoy as he's being people in the cage, he's just crossing it out with his wing. He's like, yeah, it's a tenth win in a row. Oh, my. That's like, right, ten for ten. Mm-hmm. And it like my biggest grievance with Dark Phoenix, on the other hand, it didn't incorporate in that movie didn't incorporate something that Days of Future Past and Apocalypse had an awesome Quicksilver montage scene. And <sighs> I'm sorry, but like the incorporation of the Eurythmic Sweet Dreams, that was such a fun scene. I, I I admit during my rewatch, I actually rewound the scene just to watch it again because I'm like, yeah, Sweet Dreams are made of this. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, but you know what happens with the scene? He's like fooling around in it. Oh yeah. And then at the end, we just find out Havoc's dead. You know, he <laughs> he, he could have tried at least. I mean, he got to save the dog with the pizza. This is true. I mean, that, that was a cute dog. I'd save the dog before Havoc at least. And the goldfish. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. By the way, when that happened, I thought he was like he was giving her like punch or something in there. Like it like it looked like a beverage, but it, that yeah. was the fire making it look like it. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. Well, you know. I guess they did so well or wanted to reemphasize the fact that what he can do so fast, so many things in that short amount of time that you put those little funny things in there and it all happens in this short amount of time. Um, granted, it's not, you know, the, the kitchen and everything going on in, inside the prison kitchen with the officers and the rain and the rain coming down from the sprinklers and the bullets being diverted and the guns and so on. This is a flat out mansion explosion that what Havoc actually caused by missing, and that's just the direction of his plasma bolt, or whatever coming out of his chest. That's what initiated all this. So, yeah, different scenario, and cool in the sense of what he was able to do with that time frame. But, but to go completely cuckoo over this is kind of a little excessive, Mister Peter Melnick. It was a good scene. It was really great. That was honestly my favorite scene. That and uh, time in a bottle. From Days of Future Past are my two favorite scenes in the sequel trilogy or the mm-hmm. the reboot trilogy. Yeah. And the other thing that um, I will say with Quicksilver, you know, uh, Ben and I were talking about it off mic. The, I had a Bucky moment watching the uh, one scene where he's fighting Apocalypse and just the quick one, two, three, punching, punching, punching. Bucky circa Civil War. You couldn't have done that earlier. <laughs> like it would have ended the movie so fast and I realized yeah he probably would have messed him up a little bit more but I'm pretty positive you know at least a little bit he would have caught him off guard yeah yeah possibly and uh, maybe they're trying to show how this character can do more than just run yeah and so there's some validity to the character and he's got some kind of again validity and and uh, he had much, positive qualities he had a little bit more development in this movie too for me like mm-hmm. that was Again, character development, ha, 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 Joe. But the idea of just bringing him further, like, I really enjoyed that. And I like knowing the, uh, so are you going to tell him you're his son? Eh, eventually. I, I love that little uh, apprehension. Uh, like, I'm going to take it slow, yeah. which is ironic considering the character. Yeah, it's absolutely right. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to think, there's some other things about this movie that I really appreciated. As, like, I will say Oscar Isaac is underrated in his performance of this. He's, in terms of at least, you know, the presentation of the character, but I just felt the overall look of the character leaves a lot to be desired. Oh, yeah, it was like a Power Ranger. It looked he, like yeah, Ivan brought him down. 
and uh, <laughs> and then make my monsters grow. Like, how do you explain him dying? It looks so cheesy because he's just melting. Man, what a world! What a world! <laughs> I would have rather him say that. Um, yeah, that Di- might have worked actually. Di- director's cut just goes, "Oh no!" <laughs> Jeez. But I will say my my one complaint with his version of Apocalypse was how he would just the the voice. The voice was so weird. Like I, it just did not fit that. The kind of voice character. was very inconsistent, so, and he yeah. kept going in and out of. That was what it was trying to be. It was trying to be like a godlike voice yeah. and his form voice. So I was yeah, so no. so with that. Yeah, I didn't really care much for it to be honest. It but, was hard. It was kind of maybe in a way kind of hard to just listen to it and get all the words that were being said. So I didn't know that, you know, it needed to be going in and out as many times as it did. See, I didn't have that problem. I was watching the movie also with subtitles, to be honest, because, like, sometimes, you know, as as I've gotten older, like, not just because of, you know, hearing or anything, but just it makes it better, you know, like, if you miss a line. You know what I mean? Well, the subtitles came in handy when, you know, the other language was being spoken when... You stopped that. Eric was... (laughs) No, Eric was living a normal life as as, uh, Eric Lenschner with his wife and daughter, and... I like this for Magneto's redemption. I thought this was, it really did a good job of making him into a hero. Well, one of the officers came out and asked him, are you Magneto? That's a translation. Maybe it's Magneto. In, <laughs> and that's what I made a note of when I said I have to bring that up. <laughs> but whatever. Since this might be the first time listening for some of our listeners, Eddie used to think Magneto is pronounced Magneto. And it's like one of my favorite Eddie Wilson stories. Very, very long time because just by looking <laughs> at it, and not yeah, knowing, yeah. you know, not having heard it said aloud anywhere. I mean, personally, Eddie, you know, before I even started listening to you on the radio, I used to think you were Eddie Wilson. <laughs> yeah, no, you're making that up. Uh, you're completely making that up. But on the note of, of, of Magneto and his wife and his daughter, I don't know that we got to see or kind of speculate on what the daughter had as far as any kind of an ability. She apparently could command she birds. Would. When she, when being stressed out there in the woods and having them descend on these police, um, similar like like Eric with being under stress and and this ability coming out kind of thing. I'm curious if any if uh, Scarlet Witch was ever supposed to be in any of these scripts. Well, hmm. I, well, I mean, they show his sister in days of you know days of past, but they don't even say who she is. But I'm yeah. guessing it's it's implied that it's her. Mm-hmm. But what about the magical era? What do you mean? Like it goes through two people. Like he's not even. It's not even like a sophisticated bow. He's just like whoa, and it just goes and through accidentally two releases and yeah. and gets through both. Of, well, yeah, it, you know, yeah. Like again, for me, this. How did this compare to First Class and Days of Future Past? It's it's the bottom. Yeah, but it's again, you know. My interpretation, it wasn't as bad as I remember. Mm-hmm. Like, I will keep saying that. Like, I I feel like it, it breezed for me. Like, it was a really quick watch for what it was for two hours and 23 minutes. It was yeah, quick over watch. two hours for oh, sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, like, the, the one part when he when Apocalypse wakes up and he, like, pretty much downloads all the information through a TV. And I'm like, it's got to be all explosions. And, like, you know, <laughs> it couldn't even throw something good, you know? Well, my, my go... Uh, my takeaway from this was everyone, all the guys in the movie pretty much had hair like uh, Steve from Stranger Things. Like, that's all it was. Like, everyone, you know, would have, like, a baseball bat with, you know, nails jammed in it. Yeah. 
Well, we got to see at least how, how Xavier lost his hair from yeah. this. But then somehow in like his, his ideal world, you know, where he's like having the mental battle with Magneto, he's got hair again. Well, he's got to look good. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just it's love- the way he remembers himself. I mean, you know. I did have a bitchin' set of hair. <laughs> so next thing you know, I'll be going bald. I just feel like the idea of just that, it was silly. And I'm just like, really, Magneto? That's, that's I mean, f- not Magneto, sorry. Yeah, uh, tra- Charles. That's a foretaste, a foretelling of what's to come. Just like in Apocalypse where Gene, uh, Charles wakes Gene up from having this very vivid apocalyptic dream and her saying, I'm afraid that one day I'm going to hurt someone. I like this movie for how it would do uh, foreshadowing with things. I mean, what was the line that Cyclops says to uh, Gene about Wolverine? I think it was like, Oh, yeah. How did he say it? When they first meet up, he says, I uh, hope we don't run into that guy again. And he was right. They wouldn't because they ended up, <laughs> Hugh Jackman left the franchise. <laughs> so I'm like, you really shouldn't have said that, Scott Ready Player One, you know, just because. Well, we get to see him as Weapon X and being called that with the apparatus on his head. Um, Gene takes that off of him and, and somehow, you know, calms him yeah. down somewhat. And then he, he takes off. And that's what uh, I felt like Cyclops says, yeah. That scene did make me sad knowing like this would be the last time we see him interact with X-Men characters because then afterwards it's like, you know, what Logan is. And it, it makes me sad that we didn't see him in Dark Phoenix because I believe also they were trying to get him in Dark Phoenix. I, you know, don't quote me on that. Okay. Peter Melnick. But just the idea of that happening, it, like, it bums me out. Like, man, I would have liked to have seen him involved with, you know, uh, Dark Phoenix. But it didn't happen. But like, the Weapon X scenes were pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Like, just him going into his berserker rage, which we did not see a lot of in the X-Men movies, if I remember correctly. Like, this, I thought, would have been the first appearance of the berserker rage yeah. of, of him. Yeah. Never mind just when he cut loose in, what, X2? Footloose. Yeah. Cut loose, footloose, X2. Mm-hmm. Kick off his Sunday shoes. Yeah, but you know what? Like, when, when you were saying about the foreshadowing, there really wasn't much foreshadowing because, like, at the end, she, even though... It's before Dark Phoenix. She shows the Phoenix. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> my, my my other takeaway also was, um, like I, I guess I'm more in the line of how they would do things, and it would be like implying something. and <laughs> Implying something here. Yeah, I, I, have... I, know which, I know exactly what you're going for. I think I know what you are. Do, do you? Okay. Well, you, you, do want, you want me to say it? Is it involving a certain Jedi? Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was the funniest line in the whole movie. <laughs> Coming out of seeing Return of the Jedi, from the, you see it in the marquee, and you got Gene, Kurt, Jubilee, and Scott, and, and Gene saying, uh, I think we can all agree the third one's always the worst. You really shouldn't have said that, Gene. You really shouldn't have said that, <laughs> Simon Kinsberg. You really should not have said that. Because, like I said, I like the movie more on my second viewing of it, but, man, they really should not have said that. <laughs> I kind of went, oh, when I just saw, yeah. you know, wow, wow, did you foretell that one? I mean, I liked Return of the Jedi. It had the Ewoks <laughs> and the Yubnub. It was fun. But Yubnub. You, you know what I think, like, the worst takeaway for me for the movie is, is that we're still going with the old X-Men kind of timeline because everything's prequels and they've showed, you know, Magneto from the future, you know, all that. So I'm like, when is this bus just going to hit McAvoy? You know, like, he, he's going to look like a wreck in 15 years. My favorite my favorite line, like, just making fun of that was um, the whole line from Mystique going and looking at, uh, what's her name? Gina going, when I was your age, I'm like, 
bitch, you're like two years older than her. <laughs> like, I'm sorry, but when I hear that line, I'm like, really? They're really? trying to ele- well, they're trying to elevate Mystique as a leader. No, I get that, but and get, you know, these yeah. movies do such a terrible job of they aged. Yeah, they sh- they aged like a fine wine, evidently. <laughs> but I love. There's this one meme where it shows uh, Magneto. It's Magneto, circa 1960 something, 1970 something, 1992, and then it's 2000, and it's a shot of uh, Sir Ian McKellen. They even joke around about it, but when they see Moira for the you know from a while, they're like, "Oh, she still looks good." Yeah. <laughs> Everybody's looking good. Just clean living. Clean living. You know, but I mean, they did have, you know, a good jubilee. For all two seconds she was on screen. Solid. 92. Like, that was, like, that drove me crazy because last week you heard me go on about uh, character development with Nightcrawler. By the way, I like Nightcrawler more in this movie than I did in the previous one. But I think it was like he was more established, so I understand why now. Because again, the last time I saw uh, Apocalypse was 2016. Mm-hmm. So when the movie first came out, okay. saw it you know, opening weekend. But now I'm just like, oh, cool, whatever. It's like, yeah, now I understand how they established the character with with the Michael Jackson jacket. Yeah, like that was. I'm like, they were of course, you know, hammering home the point. This is 1980s, 1980s. But ironically, in my opinion, they really didn't do it that much with the music. And Eddie, you know, I don't have much yeah, down as far as music, but yes, we have the Eurythmics in there with Sweet Dreams. That was Metallica, solid Metallica, Four Horsemen. There was like I guess right. like a German song um, in the in the uh, the Fight Club, right? Undecipherable to me, or but again, just unrecognizable to me. But still, not much. And like I thought they would utilize that more, but they didn't. Maybe they didn't want to go as heavy. In that time period. I mean, you you had it established in the beginning when it was, what, I think in Ohio in 1983. And the teacher, Scott's teacher, Ali Sheedy, FYI, Brad Packer, not Brad Packer, but a um, breakfast club kid herself in there, um, make that little little appearance, which was kind of neat, a little throwback. But no, not as much use of the music, I don't think, at least not overly so. I did like I did enjoy the scene, like right before they end up, you know, starting the sweet dream scene. You see all of them, you know, showing up in that little convertible, and they all looked straight out of the '80s. Like just everything about that shot, yeah. you're just like, mm-hmm. it's like perfect '80s. Just like, especially how Scott looks, and Scott, the actor who plays Scott in the movies again, I, I just call him Ready Player One, pretty much. Yeah, I forget his name. How can't Nightcrawl get out of the cake? How can't? Yeah, yeah he could. Why, ba- he could bamf his why way can't out. He? Now, I'm wondering then, maybe they have like a little uh, force field around it, you know, where it's, you can't get out because like it's like those uh, little collars that they had in Deadpool 2 and in mm-hmm. uh, Dark Phoenix. Which, by the way, one more di- a little annoyance from Dark Phoenix, just before we get to next week's episode, because I just got to get this out there because I will forget it. The fact that they did not acknowledge the cameo from Deadpool in Deadpool 2, or you know what I mean, where they have them show up and they didn't capitalize on that. Like maybe have like... You see him open a door. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Do something like that. You know, I, I don't care, but just like, it's not going to take it away from the movie. Like, I feel like a lot of these movies, they didn't want to do comedy. And I understand that you don't want to make, you know, you want to make it this deathly serious kind of thing. But I was fine. You know, like, you can, brevity works in certain doses, you know? Yeah, a little. 
And I always felt like the reason they never did so many Stan Lee cameos in these movies, the X-Men movies, is because, oh, he's just going to try and, you know, yuck it up and do a joke. No, you can do what you did in the first X-Men and what you did in this X-Men movie cameo, which, by the way, is my, like, one of my personal favorite. I realize I say that with almost every Stan cameo, but... You do. This is one of my personal favorites in the top five, at least. Just him with his wife, you know, him clutching his wife and looking on. As the missiles are being launched. Yeah, and that's probably the only time you saw his wife, Joni. Yeah. You as, never as saw, a cameo. So you never they, saw her in a cameo before this, mm-hmm. and so it just, was a few seconds worth of of seeing them together. So it was nice, like being able to see them close and being, you know, m- uh, make that immortal essentially. Get scared too, yeah. But it's like also being close, like that's it's cool. Yes, it's close when you're hugging each other. You're absolutely right. Yes. Their their love together was immortalized in a movie. That was okay. <laughs> it was okay. I thought you liked it. <laughs> but I did. I, again, it was an okay movie. It's, it's certainly better than Dark Phoenix. That's all I will say. But by the way, the actor who played Cyclops in this movie is Ty Sheridan, a.k.a. Ready Player One. And thank you. Thank you. And thank you. I honestly like him as Cyclops. He's like kind of that goody two-shoes character that you know he's been in the comics. And he's also like, as people have called him, the dad of the X-Men. <laughs> like they they call him on uh, Jane Miles explain the X Men, it's that kind of character. He's just like he's the wet blanket of the X Men. Oh now Gene, we can't do that. Now now Davy. Yes, I just realized I made a Davy and Goliath reference. Davy. <laughs> I can almost start humming that tune. Sun, you, that Sunday morning, please, but I'm not. Please gonna, do. No, it's okay. <laughs> That's that's quite all right. I you, think I actually have a DVD of some of that stuff. You you would make Art Cloakie proud, and the claymation folks too, and stuff like that. So and Gumby. Well, was Gumby before or after? Yeah, Gumby was before with Gumbasia. Before Davy and Goliath. Yes. Wow. See, I, I didn't really know much Gumby, but Davy and Goliath, I would I would see that almost faithfully. Here's a fun, embarrassing fact about me: I was terrified of Gumby at one point in my life. Sure, like, some people I, were genuinely afraid. Like anytime I would see a Gumby toy, I would. Just going to a full-on panic attack, mm-hmm. and it was fun to watch. But also, <laughs> to, to watch you in panic attack, you have no idea. It was okay. so much fun to watch. Like for other people, probably not me. But got it. Yeah, just the idea of like a piece of clay moving around scared the ever living bejesus out of me. Sure, because it's like your Play-Doh if you stretched it out, and it's all of a sudden animated, coming to like, well, whoa, wait but a minute. But he's being friendly. So why it should I be afraid? Look that way. Friendly? I don't yeah. know. Jeez, I, I would get maybe the blockheads. Yes. Or that Stegosaurus thing. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> but now, people, I am no longer afraid of Gumby. Just an FYI, I'm 30 years old and no longer afraid of Gumby. So that is good. Let's, let's let that out there in case, like, some, you know, asshole is going to tweet me, like, pictures of Gumby, say, hey, you scared yet, pussy? I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now. People can be instigative on social media. Is that a word? I've never seen that. Um, sure. Instigative? Yeah. Mm-hmm. They instigate. Good enough. Anyway, yes, back to good. the movie. Uh, one line in the movie that is both tr- used by Charles and by Apocalypse is, thank you for letting me in. Apocalypse infiltrates uh, Cerebro at one point earlier in the movie, and then Charles now, after he is getting transferred his consciousness to uh, Apocalypse and so on, gets to uh, kind of turn the tables kind of thing. And meanwhile, young little uh, Aurora Monroe is watching from the ruins of a building. She's off to the side for a lot of this uh, this stuff as we get near near the end of it. Boy, was I not a fan of uh, Storm in this movie. She was certainly in the movie. 
That was just she was in it, it, but you know. Again, you'll hear me harp on this character development. She just was not the character that she should be, and you'll hear this during our episode with the cat, the showrunner and writer of X Men: The Animated Series. The thing about Storm that I love is the fact that she can be an easy person to make into a leader. Mm-hmm. This movie, she's just there. Yeah, she's very young, and uh, I don't know. But even when unlearned. She's, even when she's still young, she still has that level of independence and strength to herself that this movie really did not do. She's just there. Well, not, I don't know if it's the same thing where you could say she's just there, but the uh, character of Psy- Psylocke. Psylocke is more developed than Storm. But and at I, the end, she walks away. Takeaway. You know, after all, all is said and done, she walks away. And just before Apocalypse is destroyed, and I believe he is referring to Phoenix, who has manifested herself, Apocalypse says, all is revealed. I imagine he's foreshadowing this character of Phoenix, what could be happening. Or five shadowing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This guy, me. Oh, that guy. Mm-hmm. And then, and then the, I think it's kind of a, a nice, a, a sentimental part where the conversation between Charles and Mora, and do you know where you are? You're being, in the jungle, babe. That's what yeah. I th- went. <laughs> do you know where Mora asks Charles, and he says, I'm on a beach in Cuba with you. And he restores more of his memories. I thought that was a heartfelt moment. It tied things up somewhat. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, she did not return in uh, Dark Phoenix. Yeah, no. Yeah, so what was the point of all that? Uh, you know. <laughs> but Magdito and Jean reassemble the mansion. Mm-hmm. I've noticed that the, like every other movie, the uh, odd number movies... Something will happen to Charles, and then in the next movie, they just negate it. So, like, the first movie, <laughs> he ends up losing the use of his legs. Second movie, like, hey, guys, by the way, remember he couldn't have his legs? Guess what, people? We're going to have him use, like, some uh, magic There's wand. Drug here. And now, Injection. third movie, we are going to bring him back with Moira McT- McTaggart. Dark <laughs> Phoenix. Nope. <laughs> yeah. Well, don't they repeat the line... The exchange that Charles and Eric have toward the end, uh, what do you do when they come for you and your children? I feel a great swell of pity for the poor soul who comes to my school looking for trouble. Make it that, double. That's redundant, yeah. Yeah, but everybody comes to the school. <laughs> there you go. The school blows up every other week. And, and when does the school now just bring regular kids in? See, that was one of the things that kind of did bother me, where I'm just like, Never. What do you mean? They're, they're, no, they're not regular. It's gifted youngsters. It's yeah. not it's like not my T-shirt says today. Well, it, it just made no sense. Like, and we have some regular kids, and you're like, well, for what? <laughs> we need somebody to be on the football team. <laughs> That's going to play by the rules, I suppose. I don't know. We need little Billy over here to be number seventy in our overall GPA. <laughs> or maybe somebody's got to just press a button. You know, when, yeah. they're, when they're going into. Mock battles and stuff. Somebody in the danger room. Yeah, in the, well, that, that was good, too. Towards the end, Mystique gives her a little speech. You're X-Men now. And then we say hello to the Sentinels and your danger room sequence. I again, it's one of the first things I remember from, from I think, reading the comics mm-hmm. is that happening, that exercise. It's just like a lot of stuff, a lot of cool stuff happens, but it only happens once and it's like forgotten about. Yeah. Too, have, but look how long the movie was and how many things you tried to put into it. And, and maybe in a sense, like movies of this where you're trying to do so many things in so much time you can't develop things or yeah, apocalypse, apocalypse to stand storm right when he just murders those guys 
Oh, yeah. Sand cuts heads off. It's yeah. exactly right. Never see it again. Then we have the mutant gun. Never see it again. <laughs> and you have Magneto's um, use of uh, the dog tag to kill all the uh, police in the in the forest there. Mm -hmm. Zipping through them all. Almost like, like what's his name? Yondu's arrow. I, yeah. I, I love that arrow. The uh, oh. I think uh, Yaka... Yako? Yes, I think it's Yako. Or Yaka. So, I think it is the Yaka arrow, because Yako is from Animaniacs. <laughs> and Yaka is a plant, I believe. Yuka. Yuka, thank you Yuka. very much. There we go. Whew. Took the re out of Eureka. Okay. Oh, there's an arrow, just stabbed me in the neck. Mm -hmm. <laughs> How am I still talking? I don't know. But, you can't uh, shut Peter Malikon. You stop that. But I mean, for overall, is it the worst movie ever? Catwoman says hello. Oh, just spoilers. Yes, next month, we're going to talk about a DC movie. How? Well, you'll find out. How anyway. hard? <laughs> Man, I wish you could see the, just the exchange him and I just had just now. Gross. Ugh. Gross. But, yeah. So, you were saying? You know, um, I, I think, unfortunately, it being, you know, technically the last X-Men, you know, going from the heights of, especially when, you know, the last X-Men... Uh, what was that, Last Stand? Yeah. You know, the way it fell off. And then you have First Class where it almost resets everything and you're including characters that some of them were, you know, you saw before, but some of them, like, you know, Havoc, they kind of brought them in. Zazel. You know, so. I mean, it's a, it's a comic book movie. I mean, the next movie, you know, ends kind of like Last Stand and also a little bit of Dark Knight Rises, where for some reason they're just going to look to their right and see Bruce Wayne and Alfred having, you know, lunch in France. <laughs> He's right. Hello, I, Master Wayne. Ben, you was right, I think, with uh, underutilizing the horsemen of pestilence, famine, death, and war. And yeah, you should have had him in there a little more. I would not have even used those characters as his horsemen. I would have gone with, like, you know, hey, it's it, like, stay more true to the comic. Do characters like Caliban, you know, people like that. Well, yes, and he was at least in there yeah, for he some time, yes. And it was a diff the funniest thing is Caliban makes an appearance in this one, and he makes an appearance in Logan, but it's completely different actors. So what was the point? Well, well you said that about Nightcrawler too, and so what if you're right? I mean, But it was the fastest, like, recasting of a character. Well, you know. Like, but I'm saying more, what was the point of casting that actor to be Caliban if you're going to make him a completely different actor in the next movie? Well, if, if you think about it, in those first, what, the first two or three, there's like a different Colossus every movie. Yeah, there sure is. <laughs> no, sorry, I had to go on. That's why. <laughs> um, <laughs> the look on your face is amazing. <laughs> Whoa. That's uh, how I felt throughout the whole movie. <laughs> I just, I, like, it, it, it was like in the middle of it. It was in the middle of it, and I, like, checked the timer, and I'm like, I do not remember this being like a two and a half hour movie. Like for me though, it I enjoyed the movie and like it wasn't as bad as I remember, but it's certainly not the greatest Marvel movie I've ever seen. And I would say it it definitely flowed better. And I'm gonna be going to see uh, Dark Phoenix for a second time. I'm going for my round two, which so I actually have asked a couple people, hey, would you want to come along with me to see this? They're like, no. I'm like, shit, I'm going to be by myself in the theater. But if we think about it, if they ever release you know, the new mutants, does this bode Is it well? even going to happen? Because, I mean, after this, do you really want to release new mutants? It'll escape. I've heard some people going on saying like maybe they'll re, you know, re do some reshoots and tie it into the MCU. I don't see that happening. No. 
because they're not even talking like they've you know they've had some leaks uh phase four and all that and there's nothing yeah they're it, talking phase five and that's what like 10 years it's insane they may have already started a major production line so if, if new mutants is a question they may be like let's put it through and see what happens yeah just just about we can take the hit if we need to yeah maybe drop it in those like uh usually august and uh february the months they just drop stuff off but i don't know because they're gonna have uh, that uh, Fast and Furious movie, I believe, it's in August. So yeah, that's with uh this year, right? With uh, yeah. Hobbs and uh Guy. Yeah, Lilo but, Stitch. It's, <laughs> it's the Rock and the Transporter, pretty much. <laughs> okay, and Black Superman in the form of Idris Elba. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Which again, that that is such a cool line, by the way. I'm Black Superman. I'm like, damn, that's cool. That's really bad. So it. much so that one of the other guys says, "Yeah, he is Black Superman." Yeah, that is. But my thing is. Like I said, with Apocalypse, it's not the greatest Marvel movie. It's not the greatest X-Men movie, but it's not the worst Dark Phoenix. But the thing is, it was, well, spoilers for next week, Eddie liked Dark Phoenix. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, it did. But my thing is with this movie, it flows very well. The personification of Apocalypse is good. For the most part, I just don't like some of the uh, choices. Like you know, you and I both agreed on with the whole voice. I think that was ridiculous. Yeah. Yeah. But I hate to say it, they maybe should have, you know, barred this element from the uh, MCU. Apocalypse would make a great final villain for a phase of movies. Like he would have been perfect. He would have been a great Thanos for them because he's mm-hmm. essentially X Men Thanos. Yeah. Okay. Sure. But the idea of you know just whatever like you know, he's a one and done movie villain i'm like come on apocalypse is a one and done are you serious you can do a one and done movie with like dr octopus or you know craven the hunter but apocalypse, well no. well 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 given the history well well, of well eddie spider-man it's a pretty deep subject times three given the history of spider-man and the number of times these characters have come back these villains then that's why i say well 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 for yeah. to ock and and um yeah the other one you just said. <laughs> I just went off. Craven the Hunter, Eddie. Craven, yeah. Well, they had very good runs, long runs with, with Spider-Man, so I don't know about one and done for them. Well, Craven had a pretty decent run with a shotgun, too, but mm. that went dark. No more bullets. <laughs> oh, my God, Eddie. <laughs> oh, my God. Elma Fudd, yeah. <laughs> you said gun. Yeah, oh. I did. Okay. You remember what happened to Craven the Hunter, right? Oh, here we go on something else now that I'm just totally blanking out on. Yeah, Craven's last hunt. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's why I said the shotgun. Well, okay. Mm-hmm. Good lord, Eddie. Yes, inordinate amount. No, you you've told me you've up. read that one. No, you've wait. You when was the last Spider-Man book you read? In the early three hundreds, three twenty-five. Eddie Craven's last hunt was like two eighty something. Mm. Yeah, it was. This okay, is, okay, is, then it's, yeah. This is like what led to him leaving the uh, black suit. <clears throat> you, okay. Yeah. Eddie, you have an inordinate amount of catching up on facts, sir. Facts. Is, you are correct, sir. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, Eddie, what did you think of the movie? On the final note of this apocalypse, I guess they were trying to see if they could continue it with the post-credit of not only cleaning up the compound, but seeing the x-rays, which were obviously from Wolverine, uh, the vials that said Weapon X in there and uh, being stored in a refrigerated briefcase. Briefcase? What? Briefcase. By Hostess. They're yummy. Uh, and the Essex Corporation. 
and on the I didn't get label it. of the briefcase there. Is it is it like supposed to be like tying into something that's gonna happen? Because I was like Krusty the Clown watching that one, you know, uh, foreign animation where you just go, "What the hell was that?" Like that was me at the end of this movie. Like is I, that I, like you know mm. like a Mister Sinister reference, right? I think is that what so. The Essex Corps. Tweet at us I, I, at the Marvelists. Know, yeah, let us know because let I'm, us know. I'm, Essex I'm is curious. escaping was me. I mean, Roxxon, I get, but yeah. yeah. Was Mister Sinister in Dark Phoenix? No. Man. Well, fun fact, who was supposed to play Mr. Sinister was the Cran man himself, Brian Cranston. Mm-hmm. And actually, I, and I've said this on a previous episode, but again, first time listening for some people. When I met him at a uh, performance of Network right afterwards, I said, I know everyone wants to see you play Lex Luthor in DC, but please, please, please go to Marvel instead. He goes, you know, I was supposed to be Mr. Sinister. <laughs> and I'm just like, I know, and I wanted it to happen. <laughs> But again, you know, just the idea of him playing Mr. Sinister, that would have been amazing. Yeah. I don't know the makeup would have. Or are we going comic faithful? Probably, where he's just, like, he looks like a, re- a really weird mime. Yeah. <laughs> With almost feathery like uh, backdrop there. Yeah. Mr. Cranston, can you do a wall? Can you ride an invisible bicycle? I sure can. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, oh, come on. He could do the line for Breaking Bad. You're goddamn right. <laughs> but, ah. There you go. I just like the the idea of Cranston as that character though would be amazing, and I would hope like if you introduce Mister Sinister into the MCU as a villain, you can't really do it for a very long time because you really got to establish the X Men mythos. He can't be just like a first timer villain, you know? Right, exactly. And then you have to go um, post Phoenix to post um, Malone. Yes, Catherine Pryor is it? Catherine Madeline Madeline Pryor. Yeah. But I mean, again, you know, you start going the Inferno route with the movies. You can always go completely different routes. I mean, we didn't have a dead Quicksilver in the Marvel comics, but now we do in the movies. Uh, Yeah. So the idea of whatever works for this, you know, do whatever you can. We don't we never had a dead Tony Stark before. Again, sorry for the two people that haven't seen Endgame yet. Yeah. And really, the funniest thing is anyone can say that. Yeah, that everyone kind of knows how Endgame ends. Like that became a movie, by the way, where it permeated pop culture. Holy crap. Yes, sir. Mm-hmm. On a cracker. That that sounds like a terrible kind of well, cracker. Well, I mean, it depends, you know. I haven't watched Avatar, so I mean, <laughs> not everything <laughs> But again, you're lucky. You're lucky. <laughs> I'm lucky, too. Yay. I'm not. <laughs> but yeah, overall for this movie, three out of five. Not the greatest, but still. Three out of five? Yeah. We're going not even like a two and a half? <laughs> I, again. You can, you can go right I, down the middle there, Ben, yeah. I liked it. You can, uh, what's yours? I'm going two. Really? Yeah. I can see that. Just because there's so many things, there's so many things that make it look like this, it's going to be a lot better. Yeah. And then it just gets lost. Because like the final fight scene, it's kind of like, ah. You can't have Apocalypse go out like a chump. Like that's he how did I, go on like a joke. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. You can't, but you do. That's yeah. it's just that mm-hmm. disappointment of it. And then that death scene was just embarrassing. It's melting. What a world! What a world! We're gonna do a callback. It's kind of a pre-snap thing, but the way he went, I think. Mm. Kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mr. Professor Xavier. I don't feel so good. <laughs> Some, somewhere like that, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I'm closer to a four on this one, to be honest, because I'm just so. Even forgiving. I'm just like really. Yes, I know, but I'm always. Well, then again, you gave Fan Four Stick a three out of five. And that was probably my lowest rating on any movie we've ever discussed. <laughs> and the thing didn't wear be, pants 
Loses a star. And disgust is G-U-S-T at the I end. I know. Not S-S-E-D. Got it. So that's exactly right. So now before we wrap this episode up, people, we want you to listen to our interview with Afro Williams and... Andrew Stalen. And that interview starts right about... Now. Hi, guys. My name's Afro Williams, and you're listening to The Marvelous with Peter Melnick and Eddie Wilson. All right, right now we are joined with Afra Williams of X-Men Dark Phoenix, and she doesn't have a name for the role yet because as of this recording, we haven't seen the movie. We don't know who she plays. Her role is, much like the Dark Phoenix, a mystery. I mean, is, is the Dark Phoenix... No, it's not really a mystery, but I digress. Yeah. Anyway, Eddie, yeah. Afra Williams, thank you very much for talking to us. We appreciate it. Oh, I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Now, is he correct in what he said just now? He he is. It is a little secretive, so I recommend everyone go out and see it. Um, I can't say so much about it, but I can say that it, we had an absolute blast filming it, and it's it's amazing that it's finally out. I think we, we filmed it over two summers um, and went back and did three months of reshoots, so it's I mean, it's finally here. Everyone gets to finally see it, which is amazing. Well, when you say two summers, yeah, you're right. Finally, I didn't think it would take that long. No, that's exactly right. In 2017, I think we worked on it for five or six months, and then um, we went back last year and did another three months of reshoot. So you're telling... I'm sorry, you're saying to us your character has no name, but are you listed in the credits somewhere at least? I I am, yes. (laughs) Somewhere. For me, the funny part was... You know, after the, uh, you know, they've been releasing reviews and everything, I've been, like, trying to find, like, on Wikipedia the name of the character, and nothing's been updated since. I'm like, come on, I want to know what her name is. I know. Well, it kind of gives it away a little bit, so you'll definitely have to watch it. You know what? Is, what? It, is, the, is the character's name nameless? Because that, that would make perfect sense then. Um, no, I mean... Maybe she'll turn out nameless. I'm not sure, but when I was filming, it had a name. <laughs> well, as far as I'm concerned, Afra, they could have just listed you as Afra, A P H R A, and it would say Afra herself. Yes, exactly. Who else? I mean, yeah. I'm sorry, but unless I live a sheltered life, I don't know anybody else with that first name. I know a Star Wars you, character named that. Well, <laughs> you know what? I saw that recently, and I did get quite excited, Doctor Afra. Dr. Afro rules, and in all honesty, I could see yourself playing her on, you know, in a Star Wars kind of film and like, you know, a live action adaptation of the character. I would love to play a role like that. I don't know if it's a little too cliche that I play someone with the same name, but I'm not opposed. I mean, Mark Wahlberg's, you know, played Marks in the past, so, you know, it's That's for him, it's true. not that much of a stretch. That's true. It's some very things. True. Well, I would certainly be open to that. Some things are different for girls than they are for boys, so uh, you know, it's, exactly. I can understand that. Sure, okay. Can, exactly. What can we? What can we ask that you can tell us or not tell us about the movie and your role? Is it a? <laughs> no. how, I mean, how much screen um, time? Or how you know? How dark is the phoenix? Um, I think the, the phoenix does get pretty dark, and we. It's, I think it's a really great journey that we get to see her go on, and the fact that there's so many female female roles in this film is amazing. It shouldn't be um, the not normal. You know what I mean? It, it shouldn't be something that we have to mention or talk about. So I love the fact that there's so many actresses working on the film. Is, um, is, your, character, is your character good or bad? Oh, she's a villain. She's, she's definitely, a, she, she kicks them off. 
absolutely. What uh, distinguishing characteristics physically by looking on the screen at her can we look to see? Um, I would say she looks pretty normal. She looks like the rest of us. She just um, she has some gifts that that help her fight the X-Men. And we don't get to, well, we will see what the gifts are, what her ability or abilities uh, is or are. And yeah. I guess we won't get a story as to how she's in possession of these gifts. It's just this is who she is and what she does. Um, actually, there uh, there is a scene where you do see how she comes to have these gifts. Um, I got to work uh, quite closely with Jessica Chastain, which was amazing, an incredibly talented woman. And um, there's, a, there's a scene there which kind of gives us some information as to how the characters appear. And also, Afra, is, is your character one that was made specifically for the movie, or is it actually from the comics somewhere? Oh, that's a good question. I'm not sure I can answer that one. <laughs> oh, let me let me go a little further down that path if I can. Are you are you? And please, honesty is very good. Are you a comics fan or X Men in particular? Or I do, and I I do have to say, you know, being Australian, although my accent's a little faded right now, um, Wolverine. I definitely have to support Wolverine. I thought so. I, I had a, I had a hunch because uh, in another interview with Andrew Staline, he favors. The Canuck also, the Wolverine. He does. Oh, yeah. yeah. That's, that's his favorite as well. I mean, he does, Hugh Jackman does such an amazing job. I, and he, he's been doing it for so long. It's just, you know, he's kind of, I guess, led the way a little bit. I'm going to go on a little tangent real quick here because like Hugh Jackman, seeing and hearing him in his role primarily as Wolverine, as Logan, and then hearing him, like, say, as a presenter on an award show, I, I took a my ears took a stand back and said, wait, what? He sounds so much different. Kind of like Tom Holland being, you know, a British actor and, you, you know, you hear, yeah, right. gee whiz, Mr. Stock, you know. And for me, but for me, though, it was when I first, after hearing the Beatles singing whatever song it was, whatever, I had some 45s, and then hearing them speak, such a drastic difference. Absolutely. You know what? Um, Hugh Laurie on the house, I was naive and didn't realize when that first came out that he was British. And then I heard him in a, an interview and I was like, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't, it, it is. It's amazing when people can do such a great accent. Because some of them be quite tricky. So X-Men is among your favorite, I guess, I don't know, other comic books that you're fond of or no? Yes, absolutely. I would have to say. And actually the Dark Phoenix, um, is one of my, my favorite comic stories. So it's an absolute pleasure to work on this film, and especially being the last film um, until, I don't know if there's ever going to be another one, but of this one of these actors, to be included in the last one, is it's an absolute honor. Now, Afra, you had mentioned just now that this you know might be the final one, and if that is the case... Could you ever see yourself maybe going over into Marvel Studios with their, you know, their brand of films, you know, with the Avengers, with the Guardians of the Galaxy, et cetera, et cetera? Absolutely. I mean, getting to work on these characters and as an actor, being able to explore these these types of characters, it's, I mean, it's a dream job. It's a dream come true. So I would absolutely welcome any possibilities. And in general, when you got this, you know, role... What were your thoughts, you know, immediately finding out you're going to do a movie about a Marvel character? Um, 
I think I was a little bit shocked to start with because obviously, you know, it's, it's quite secret. So we're auditioning with um, sides and scenes that aren't from the film. So you're not really sure what it is exactly that you're auditioning for. Um, so it's all very secretive. And then when you get the call, it's like, amazing. I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, and then as it gets closer to, they start to feed you little bits of information and you're able to create and work on these amazing characters and really... and that was the amazing thing about going back and doing three months of reshoots is it's always sad to say goodbye to a character, but then to be able to work on her for another three months and delve even deeper into that character is an absolute gift. I'm curious. You mentioned with the whole, you you know, you find bits and pieces out over at Marvel Studios with Avengers Endgame, Infinity War. They, you know, with certain actors like Mark Ruffalo and Tom Holland, they would take scripts and only give them like pieces of it. They wouldn't give them the entire script so they couldn't, you know, give spoilers out accidentally, much like both of them are well known to do. Yeah. And, <laughs> you, you know, did, what what is Fox's process with their Marvel uh, movies? Like with, well, that, with I'm, scripts? I'm not sure what it's like for all of the actors. Um, maybe the lead actors have it a little bit differently. Um, but I, I have not read the entire script of the Dark Phoenix. And um, as you just said, I was given on the day that I was shooting, I was handed my sides. So <laughs> it was very secretive. And I mean, it also makes it exciting because you don't know what you're going to really be preparing for unless it's a big fight scene or something that you're prepping for. Yeah, um, like you show up to work and it's a new day and you have no idea what's going to happen. And it kind of, it's exciting. So when you went to the premiere, so, when you went to the premiere, the uh, movie you saw that night, was you know the whole thing for the first time like that it was yeah um and it, it was really interesting to see i mean obviously it has to be a certain amount amount of time there's a time limit on that so it's interesting to see how much that they've had to cut and what they've put in it and i i think they did a really great job putting it together and for a little backstory if we can if the folks aren't familiar with yourself how long have you been in this role, in this profession, uh, where did you start? Any notable things we want to pass on as well that you've done? Yeah, um, so I um, have been acting since I was in high school. Um, I trained at university doing theater mostly, and then I um, lived in Canada for 12 years and worked in the film and entertainment industry there for 12 years, um, which was great. Absolutely. And then I've been in the U.S. now for about a year. So it's it's kind of it's, it's a journey. Um, as of right now, there's a couple of things that I'm working on. I can't really speak about them. Um, I'm writing a couple of scripts, which is really exciting. And um, but definitely stay tuned because there are some exciting things to come. So in addition to acting, you're like you said, doing some writing. Were there any other roles that you were taking on? Um, there is definitely, there's one or two in the works, um, but I just can't talk about them as of the moment. Okay. No, I just wasn't sure if acting was strictly what you've done up to this point in your, you know, entertainment yeah. career or if it's been other, other things as well. No, I mean, it's primarily been acting. Um, I would, I've, I would like to say that I've tried at times being an actor, you know, it, it's hard to really stay with it and it's, going after your dreams and uh, being an actor, you constantly hearing no and to have that stamina and belief that you can go after it and you can achieve it and you just don't give up. Um, there's definitely been times where I'm like, can I do something else? And then I'm like, no, I can't. This is, 
this is what I'm here to do. So, uh, I mean, X-Men, I, I heard it being cast, and my boyfriend was actually auditioning for it. And I'm like, I want an audition for X-Men. <laughs> and then, you know, it, it happened. Wow, that's very cool. Uh, so yeah. home, so now home base, you said, for the last year is, I guess, on the West Coast. It is, yeah. It's Los Angeles. And again, a couple things that are in the future, in the works, can't talk about it, that's fine. That's keeping you busy. Uh, anything else going on? Would you be making the uh, the rounds, let's say, in terms of going to even comic book conventions, that kind of thing? Absolutely. I was actually speaking with my team about this yesterday, and um, I would love to. I would love to meet the fans of X-Men, um, and especially here, once, once the film's been released, you know, we can talk about the character a little bit more, and I would love to hear what the fans have to say. I think you will. I think you know. I, so. <laughs> I think you, you know what. That's inevitable. That's what's going to happen. And maybe not down the middle of the road because it's a lot of things in life. You'll hear about it if it's really, really good, or if it's not. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, well, uh, no. It's right. I mean, it's it's just an absolute honor to be a part of the X Men family. Now, are in regards to the movies, are there any you know particular favorites that you got to witness in regards to watching the films? Um, in the one that we just filmed? Uh, in, in general, with all the X-Men movies. Oh, you know, I I guess I am kind of biased. I will have to say that this one is probably my favorite. Good answer. Although, oh, hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, I would have to say that. And actually being able to work you know, with the actors in character and see these X-Men living and breathing, it's, it's, it's quite something. Do you have, uh, I'm, I'm guessing what the answer might be here, Afra, but, and I'm guessing you've heard it out there, social media or otherwise, this movie, Dark Phoenix, was kind of covered in previous X-Men movies. Maybe not to as, as much of a degree as some people would want it to, but others thinking, well, you know, this character again, I'm assuming that this movie will focus mostly on Dark Phoenix and I'm assuming also you've gotten a screening of it. Did you see it yet? I did. I had the opportunity to see it last night at the premiere. Um, it is definitely about Doc Phoenix. It's her journey, and we see how she travels and how she, um, how she. I don't want to give too much away because I know people haven't heard it. <laughs> no, of course not. Seen it. Sorry. Um, we just, you know, it really follows her journey, and we get to see that. You know, it's important to stay true to yourself not compromise yourself, um, and definitely not cover up old wounds because they can come back and haunt you. Just personally speaking, when I heard this was coming out, I didn't so much think of, oh, why why again? But maybe that those the think tank that put this together knew, of course, we know, and the comic book fans, X-Men fans know, how this character develops and evolves and so on. But this movie will take it more specifically, and look at it under a microscope more as to how these steps evolve, and I'm assuming that's what we're going to see in Dark Phoenix. Absolutely. And I mean, and that's a great thing about watching film, is that there's so much more that can be put into it, can elaborate on things. Um, I mean, everyone should just go and see it. And I would, you know, I would love to hear what people think of it and how they, they think it differs from the comics and what they thought it would be like. So you're saying some things will be true to the comics and some may not be. I would say yes. That's a safe but answer. And that's always that, 
Yeah. That's always fine, too, because sometimes just because it's in a comic book doesn't mean it'll translate onto the big screen and vice versa. You know, you want to mix things up. You want to make it different. I, I, yeah, I think that's spot on. Absolutely. I think before we let you go, after we want to find out how folks can uh, reach you it's on social media or otherwise. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I have Instagram. It's my first name, A-P-H-R-A, Afra underscore J, which is my middle name, J-A-Y-E. I'm about to follow you myself. <laughs> Perfect. That's that Peter. an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, guys. We appreciate it. We thank you and wish you lots of continued success and hope to see you at a con, especially when you know folks will be, especially women, will be dressed up as Dark Phoenix or otherwise. Yes, I love that. Was one of my favorite things at the premiere last night. We're seeing all the fans dressed up in the costumes. It was absolutely amazing. Well, I plan to see it in my Cyclops costume. So <laughs> perfect. We'll see one one of the iterations of of that. Not the '90s version. I forget which one it is, but uh, yeah, you, you, ha- you have the covered hair, so you're fine. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and sunglasses and that kind of thing. Then we hope that after you get it, we get a name for your character by the time this is all said and done. We, we will see. She's had two different names up until this point, so we'll see which one the studio settles on. I'm not sure. Because bl- we will find out. Because a blank spot with just a line or a question mark is just not going to work. I mean, it worked for Prince. No. Yeah, <laughs> Prince <laughs> for a little while. Yeah, or the Riddler. Wait, wait. Is your does your character have anything to do with the color purple? Because you know the color purple. Yeah, um, like Prince. I don't think so. <laughs> no. Okay. I'm not sure. It's, You'll have to go and have a it's look. It's a dark. No. It's a dark villain, villainous character, I guess, or a hero. Oh, 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 don't, may, don't assume. Well, this is how it starts. So you know. I guess it depends which side you're on. That is true, because there are people that believe Magneto does nothing wrong. So Magneto, Magneto had some valid points, as they say on Jane Miles' Explain the X-Men. So, but anyway, yep. Afra, thank you so much for your time. It was an absolute pleasure. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Hey, this is Andrew Celine. You're listening to The Marvelous with Peter Malmick and Eddie Wilson. Hey, everybody. Eddie Wilson here from The Marvelous. Want to welcome on the phone a newcomer, so to speak, maybe to the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We're going to find out in a little bit more about him. It's Andrew Stalline. Andrew, welcome. Thanks for spending some time with us. Oh, thank you so much. Great to be here. Let's uh, start from the beginning. You are from New Zealand. You're an actor. You're a stuntman. There's a combination I don't think you hear of too, too much. And you are Red Lotus in the new Marvel movie, Dark Phoenix. So maybe in uh, a few minutes or less, how did that all come about? Okay, well, uh, I traveled over to Montreal with a, with a stunt team from Australia, with Guy Norris, the second unit director on the movie as well. So we traveled over there. We had to come up with different characters for the show. So Richard Norton, which was the fight choreographer, came up with the idea of this new character that had hair that extended out to 10 feet as he was doing battle. And so we um, choreographed a few fight beats together and showed the second unit director, which was Guy Norris, and then he showed Simon, and Simon loved it. So the next question was, who was going to play this character? And then Simon just said, well, let's just get this guy to play it. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes it's just that easy, I guess. 
Oh, man, I tell you, it's being in the right place at the right time, right? Just thinking that exactly myself, but a new character, you said, to the movie, <laughs> not to the comic book for the X-Men, correct? Correct. Okay. When I heard the character name, I said, I don't know if I remember, and I'm not as up-to-date on X-Men reading as I should be, but it just didn't ring a bell. So, new character for this particular film that you said cannot speak while in battle. Oh, no, he can speak. No, his hair extends out to 10 feet when, oh. he's, uh, when he's in battle. Okay. Wow. That sounds like a Medusa character. Yeah, right? It sounded like if it wasn't a speaking ability, it was another character, but that's all from the Inhumans, and that's the leader of that character. I'm digressing. Oh, well, right. I was going to say, how much uh, comic books are in your background, X-Men or otherwise? Quite a few. <laughs> Should I even ask the question how excited you were to get this role in an X-Men movie? At the time, I was just focusing on helping to create this character and didn't really think much of it until I started um, to act in front of the camera and I was like, holy shit, I mean, holy crap. <laughs> I'm actually uh, in the X-Men movie, which was like an amazing experience. It was just wonderful. Any other characteristics, Andrew, about the character of Red Lotus that when we see on the screen during the filming, the screening, rather, of Dark Phoenix, what this character looks like or does? Oh, well, the character has long hair down to his um, mid-back. That's in five grades. And he's still like a henchman for uh, Magneto, so like his right-hand man or whatever. <laughs> so he is a dark character, let's say. Ah, yes. Dark, but then becomes becomes light, you know, so like a yin and yang kind of thing. All right, I don't want you to give away too much about yeah. the character, yeah. No, no. Is there, Andrew, a famous or a popular X-Men character of yours? I'd have to say Wolverine. He'll be like my um, all-time favorite, you know, from a young kid, for sure. Not because <laughs> of perhaps a similar heritage or background? I know he's more, what, Australian? yeah. Well, pretty much next door neighbors, right? There you go. <laughs> right. Andrew, would you say for, for the uh, some of the work that you've done before, and you can tell us what other things you've been in as you know an actor, this is possibly the biggest one that's come to you? Oh, yeah. Definitely one of the biggest ones. Yeah. 30 Days of Night was really, really nice to work on as well. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon 2, I can pardon that, which is pretty good. Working beside Donnie M. That was a big moment. Were you also in Power Rangers? Oh, yes. Yes, I, I did a few uh, seasons on Power Rangers as well. <laughs> what about that character? Talk a little bit about that. Oh, there were a couple of characters on Power Rangers. Um, one of them was Hutch, Hutchy or something, or there was a guard character. Much screen time in either of those? Yes, there was uh, a little bit of screen time for sure, but, you know, nothing extensive. But like I said, 30 Days of Night pretty much started off my acting career. Then hitting X-Men is like, wow, incredible. <laughs> How long did that take to happen? You said 30 Days of Night. Arvin was that character. What year, if you recall, when was 30 Days of Night? Was it 07? Okay, so say about 12 years. Uh, yeah, about 12 years. And that's where you pretty much started into the acting and shifting over from the stuntman stuff, I would assume. Yes, that's correct. I mean, you know, with Power Rangers and a few little things here and there as an actor, but Arvin was the major role, and then it just progressed from there. That's great, and now we have Dark Phoenix to look forward to as Red Lotus. I would think, just by the title of the character, and not asking you, like I said, to talk about how much screen time Red Lotus has, it sounds like it's a significant character in this film. 
He's um, he's he's definitely shown a lot to like build the character into the storyline. He had a lot of screen time actually. <laughs> Can I go ahead, Andrew, and say that you have seen the completed film? Yes, I have. So. Fans can look forward to things of the X-Men Dark Phoenix storyline that they've known, but yet not at the same time? Oh, I can definitely say that they're going to enjoy watching this. It's an emotional roller coaster ride. Mm. Yeah, lots of different things in there. It's a lot darker than usual, which is great. I found that it was a, a better way to go, you know? I think they will really, really enjoy this one. If you can, just a little bit elaborate on this one point, Andrew. When... Fans, and we've heard it through the podcast, The Marvelist, that this movie was coming out. Significant amount of people were thinking, why? Why Dark Phoenix? We know what happens. Yeah. <laughs> didn't didn't we see enough in the pre... And I'm an X-Men fan, so without you saying, again, too much stuff, there must have been more to it that somebody, you know, director otherwise wanted to bring out and go into further detail on. Yeah. I think um, the fans are going to have to go and see it to make a, a judgment for themselves, you know, mm-hmm. just uh, so they can be there and experience the moment. I think why they were saying that about why is it coming out was Apocalypse didn't really do that great. But I think this one here has brought it back to life, you know? That's a good one. Phoenix, back to life. I like that. Very good. Yeah. <laughs> I would dare say, though, Andrew, that a movie like this is focusing on this character. And yes, you know how things are going to wind up if you're an X-Men fan. You know the, the, the way the character goes. But it's the way it happens, maybe. That's where you're going to find more things to discover. And Absolutely. Like I said, it's the definite roller coaster ride. And it was very enjoyable to see. I'm actually going to go and see it again. And I might go and see it again as well, because I think there were moments in there that I, mm-hmm. that I missed. And I would like to get a chance to capture those moments. I think I'll need more than one viewing for sure also, because you never catch it on the first (laughs) go-around. We're looking forward to it. No, it's Dark Phoenix, yeah. Two more things, and we'll let you go, Andrew. And that would be, uh, what kind of things are coming up for you? Future projects? Well, there's one in the pipeline at the moment. I uh, I think it's uh, Cowboy Bebop, which is uh, in New Zealand. It's a massive anime that's going to be, I think it's a Netflix show. But in saying that, I'm hoping to ride this wave wherever it leads. It'll, uh, it'll just be amazing. Now, maybe that could include going and attending some uh, comic book conventions, or? Absolutely. I would love to do that. <laughs> well, then we'd love to see you there. Whichever one it is, we'll see where it takes you in the States or, you know, otherwise. Where also can we find you social media-wise, Andrew? IMDB under Andrew Staline and also Andy Staline on Instagram. That sounds great. Andrew Staline, Red Lotus in Dark Phoenix, We appreciate it so much, Andrew. Thanks for your time and lots of luck. All right. Peace out. Thank you, everyone. Once again, big thank you to Andrew Stalin and Afro Williams for being on this show today. Once again, I didn't care for it, but guess what, people? Give Dark Phoenix a try. Give that a watch. If anything, for the performances of these two fine actors, they did a phenomenal job for what I saw in the movie. So, yeah. Be a watcher. We could use more. Uatu. Uatu. Or another funky name. Mama say, Mama sa, Mumakusa. <sighs> sure. So, Ben, before we go, how can people get a hold of you on social media? Uh, on uh, social media, on The Action Ortiz. Um, Pretty much what I ask people is don't make it weird. (laughs) 
Just don't ask me dumb questions. Hold on, let me tweet some and, stuff. And that's pretty. That's pretty much it. You know. You know. I'll post pictures of uh, me wrestling or old pictures, but uh, don't make it weird. Now, also, you have a friend by the name of Fluffy the yes. uh, Killer Rabbit, I believe. Fluffy the Killer Bunny. There we go. He will be in uh, Wrestling for Interspecies Wrestling event, Cruel Summer, in Kanawaki, Canada, on July 13th. So, uh, should be an event. You're his handler, I believe. Yes, yes. They pay me to, uh, you know, they pretty much pay my rent to watch him. They've promised me a match that's never happened. I One day him, you will. I get him. I don't know when that day's going to come. Are you doing like the uh, Dennis Stamp thing of just jumping on a trampoline? You know, like I, I drop him off in his cage, and then I'm in the back with my little trampoline, and you know, I'm ready. I, I'll even Do you have the little for, hand weights. I'll go for a battle royale. You know, whatever. <laughs> on you know, or maybe we could start something different, like under the rope battle royale. I'd be down for that. Forget about over the top. Under, I'd be under for that. Under. You and heard it here first, because. <laughs> <laughs> We don't know when and next you're going to hear it, so. Next week's episode is... Dark Phoenix. Which isn't an X-Men movie, I guess. Because <laughs> it's not mentioned in the title. They are mentioned in the movie. Thank goodness. But they're not mentioned in the title. So, we continue X-Month as well with another episode where we talk about X-Men, the animated series. A show that Eddie has not really seen until recently, which is such a cool thing for me, like... <laughs> To be able to experience this with him for the first time. Like, After you've gotten over the shock and dismay of this. It's shock, but it's not really dismay. Like, when I used to do Inside the Batcave, the uh, Batman animated series podcast briefly, I watched an episode of Batman the animated series with you, which you had never seen. Correct. But you left, you're just like, wow, that was good. Which was out in what year, approximately? The original series? The that one? was 92 as well. Yeah, that was my um, in my twenties now, and um, there were these things drift, called girls drifting away from from that stuff, and yeah, at least in that form of it, the, the comic book collecting was another story. So Eddie, like again, next week's episode is going to be Dark Phoenix, but in between, we're also going to have like some random episodes. We got some stuff in mind, so you'll and perhaps another preview as what's to come. Exactly. Let's give a reminder, too, about where you can find us as far as stuff that's going up on our page or pages. I'm at my job. You Usually you can find me there, but don't. Yeah, don't. It's probably better off for yourself as well as his self. Yep. But our daily... Hey, how dare you? I did, well, somebody has to. Uh, don't forget about some upcoming uh, events that you may or may not be attending, and likewise for us. SummerSlam. First one up. From For the month of June, that remains uh, 22nd and 23rd. That's uh, Eternal Con in Long Island, followed by the Garden State Comic Fest. Which I'll be at. Which is um, one that we did get to speak to Sal, the organizer of that event in its seventh year. That's down at the Menon Arena in uh, Morristown. Menon. Yes, Morristown, New Jersey. July, of course, we'll all be listening and finding and seeing what's being happening out in the West Coast, San Diego, Comic-Con. And D23. D23. And in August, Mitch Halleck presents Terrificon at Mohegan Sun in Uncasville, Connecticut, August 9th, 10th, and 11th. Then we fast forward to September, October. We have October with New October. York Comic Con, the big Comic-Con. main event for me. I'm going to be excited for that one. And in November, Super Mega Fest. Which Fra- I might go to. I don't know. Framingham, Massachusetts. We'll see. That's a pretty decent roundup of what's coming up 
later this year. I can have Nicholas Hammond sign my Totally Not a Bootleg Spider-Man TV series DVD. That would work. I mean, he probably won't sign it because it's totally not a not bootleg. Have not seen a picture of the man from from 40 years ago, but apparently excited to be. I think this is going to be his first outing Ooh. at cons, that kind of thing. Yeah, and of course, don't forget our daily posts that start with Mutant Monday or Muty Monday, if you prefer. Team Up Tuesday, Wolverine Wednesday. I'm, I'm I know I'm doing dramatic pauses, sir. Dramatic? They're painful, too. How dare Thor's you. Day. First appearance Friday, which is my personal favorite. Spider-Man Saturday. And then the Day of Rest. Sunday. Sunday, Sunday. Monster Truck Madness. With Truckosaurus. Raceway Park, yes. Mm-hmm. In English Town, New Jersey, <laughs> please. Ah, oh, man. So, for the Marvelists, I'm Peter Melnick. I'm Action Ben Ortiz. And I'm Eddie Wilson. Excelsior! Obsessed with Marvel as X-Month continues. But we probably won't have any X-Men related questions. That's very possible. You said that on the last one, too. And none of them were X-Men related. Whatever. Just replay your lines. Eddie Wilson just turned into a valley girl. Did you notice that? Totally. Tubular. For sure, for sure. Gag me does with a, a spoon. Does a mall brat eat chili fries? Mm. Or mall babe, sorry. Mall with, babe. A, with a spork, I guess, too, right? 392 reads, which late night TV host had J. Jonah Jameson as his guest in The Amazing Spider-Man number 50, which was out in 1967. Johnny Carson, Jack Parr, Steve Allen, or David Letterman? Not which, Letterman. I was going to say that, too. Which late night TV host had J. Jonah Jameson as his guest? In the Amazing Spider-Man number fifty, I think what I know about that was it was a debut of the Kingpin. I think I have a copy of that issue actually signed by, by the Ro- Kingpin by Romita. Oh, not the Kingpin. Johnny How great Carson. Would that have been, by let's the way. try what? How great would that have been if you had the Kingpin sign that? Um, when I was a boy. Yes, with the with the butt of his cane, it would have been just a circle, a black circle, maybe. Johnny Carson, Jack Parr, Steve Allen, David Letterman. No, I don't think Letterman. Parr seems likely to be honest. I don't see it being Carson, because Carson really... Uh, yeah, I think I would agree. Mm-hmm. So we're down to Steve Allen and Jack Parr. Happiness is a naked Steve Allen, according to The Simpsons. Okay. Any thought on that? <laughs> yeah, we're just going to knock Ben off God, his chair with I that one. W- I wish this was a video podcast for Ben's yeah, yeah, reaction. No, no, no. no. It's, it's just... I, I would say Allen as well. You're yeah, going with Steve Allen? Yeah. Um, Either him or Parr, but I go with Steve Allen. C. No. The answer is Johnny Carson. Carson? What? <laughs> That's what the thing says. I can't lie, I suppose. I don't you know. are correct, sir. Not too far away now to number three, five, nine. I bet this is about the West Coast Adventures. No. In the role of narrator of the original What If comic book series, what did the Watcher describe? Was it possible futures for the Marvel Universe? Was it alternate timelines diverging from key moments in Marvel history? Was it the lives of Marvel characters if they had lived in different times or places? Or all answers are correct. I know this one. Yeah, it's got to be D. In the role of narrator of the original What If comic book series, what did the Watcher describe? Possible futures for the Marvel Universe, alternate timelines diverging from key moments in Marvel history, 
the lives of Marvel characters if they had lived in different places or times, or all answers are correct. Choice E, he's looking through the window and seeing uh, Mary Jane change. Now, if there was an actual answer for D, then I would have gone with the alternate timelines diverging from key moments. Yeah, what's that, B? That's B. That's That was my first guess, but I've, I've seen that when they give you this yeah, it's selection, the one. all answers, then I... Then they tend to go with with all so, sort of splitting it down the middle. I'm looking at letter D, so let's let's try that. No, <gasps> and the answer is B. Yeah. I would have been. I'd see Ben was right. B for Ben. There we go. See, <laughs> you know what the weirdest thing? They had like a, you know, one of those like school assemblies, and it was like a light show, but Dazzler. What? It, it was the Watson. <laughs> oh, it's like I see the future. It was all about pollution. I was like, well, what is this? Oh, environmentally friendly episode. Yeah, yeah something. Okay. I actually just recently got my hands on a copy of a uh, anti-drug comic with Captain America. Anti-drug. Okay. Yeah. Wait, wait. Sounds it, kind of familiar. Isn't it how he's made? <laughs> <laughs> Kids say no to drugs unless they cause you to be superpowered. That's exactly right. I think though, you know, when it said Marvel Universe in that previous question, there wasn't such a term at that point in What If history. So I should have listened to my gut. Anyway. Question 945, that'll be our third and final question for this episode. How did the Scarlet Centurion change history in the Avengers special number two, which was from 1968? How did the Scarlet Centurion... By being himself. The original Avengers conquer the world. He prevents the formation of the Avengers. He kills the original Avengers. Or he prevents the original Avengers from gaining their superpowers. How did the Scarlet Centurion change history in the Avengers special number two? The original Avengers conquer the world. He prevents the formation of the Avengers. He kills the original Avengers. He prevents the original Avengers from gaining their superpowers. Wow. I'm kind of lost on that one, but... Yeah, because it's like an early number, so it's like... Yeah. It's not like he stopped performing. Now, maybe if there was like... A hundred some. You're like, all right, maybe that's the end of the series. I don't know. I'm not sure, to be honest. If I'm going to go one, he kills him. He kills him. Okay. No, yeah. you're going to go kill. I am, I'm going to, I don't know. The original Avengers conquer the world. I'm just throwing that out Take there. me out to the ball game, Eddie. It is the original Avengers conquer mm, the world. Mm. And that was a shot out of nowhere. A shot in the dark. So at least, we got, at least we got the, that one correct. Excelsior again. 